We're in a series called Life is a Team Sport. Started last week. And let me recap for you. Life boils down to two things. You need a relationship with your creator. And you need relationships with people. That's it. That's life. The money, the houses, the jobs, the, the hobbies, all that stuff just supports those two things. You want a great life? Get a relationship with your creator. Get to know the guy who made you and loves you. And learn how to get along with people. Relationships are the most important thing you'll ever engage in, vertical and horizontal. And so we're talking about people. And today we're going to talk about build your house with words. We're going, we're going to talk about words. What are the building, if you're married, if you've got a family, if you've got friends, what are the building blocks of every relationship? Words. If you've got a great marriage, you built that marriage with words. You wouldn't have got married if somebody hadn't said, will you marry me? And then somebody else had to say, uh-huh. Relationships are built with words. If you've got a great friend, you built that with words. If your family's doing great, it's because of your words. We have underestimated the power of words. Listen to what the Bible said. The power of life and death is in the tongue and you will eat the fruit of it. Your life is a direct result of the words you speak and the words people speak over you. And we need, to be, we need to learn from Jesus how to use words to build relationships, how to build relationships with the Father, but especially with people. And uh, we need to work on it. We'll learn this. Now listen, all, let me flip it. What destroys relationships? Words spoken. Marriages that get destroyed is because of something somebody said. What damns kids? What damns children? Words spoken by parents. I know men my age that have been very successful. Their daddies told them when they were kids, you will never amount to nothing. And they're still trying to get daddy to say something nice and daddy's been dead for years. I listened to Stacy Eldridge this past week. She's one of our great writers in this nation. Stacy's 50 something. She said, I was, I forget, 13, 14 years old. <clears throat> she said, my daddy said to me one day real harshly, <clears throat> excuse me, he said, my daddy said to me, ain't no boy ever gonna want a fat girl like you. She said, I still suffer today. She said, that, that robbed me all. Our words make or break. They heal or they destroy. And uh, what, what's, uh, what's tearing our nation apart right now? Words. Words that don't need to be spoken. How does, listen, the Bible said Jesus comes to give life and give it abundantly. How does he give it? John 6, 63, the words that I speak to you are life. He gives life by speaking to people. How does Satan steal, kill, and destroy, which is his ministry? Revelation 12, 15 says this, and the serpent opened his mouth and spewed water out of his mouth like a flood to destroy the woman with the water that came out of his mouth. Satan is filling the earth with words through people's mouths today that are destroying. We're a people, our words need to give life and we need to speak life. So we're gonna learn today. We're gonna learn from scripture how the Bible says to do this. All right, <clears throat> if you were to study the life of Jesus for this reason, he, Jesus is the four gospels. You find the life of Jesus laid out in four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go through there and study and say, I'm gonna study this to watch how the man talks. I want to look at what he says. I want to look at how he speaks. And I want us to look at how Jesus spoke today. I'm going to give you six words that Jesus spoke. And these are the words of Jesus, how he speaks. And you and I want to adapt these words. And the first one we're going to look at is to, is to speak in the word. Number one is the word encouragement. Jesus Christ, God Almighty, is the greatest encourager on earth. 
And uh, dear ones, do you know anybody could use some encouraging words today? Like about constantly. All right, we're gonna look at a verse in Ephesians 4, one verse. Let me tell you about this verse right here. If you were to say to me, Brother Brian, if your church would obey one verse in the Bible, if you could just get them to obey one verse, which one would it be? I'd make a deal with you right here. You obey this one verse, we'll forget all the other verses. This is the big verse to me. In relationships, this is the big verse. I want you to read with me Ephesians. And Ephesians 4 is where it's talking about how, not how I relate to God. This whole passage is talking about how me and you relate to each other. The Bible is a book that teaches me how to walk with God and walk with people. And I want you to read one verse in Ephesians chapter 4. It's verse 29. And it says this, Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. What's the word edification mean? We get our English word edifice, building from it. It means to build people up. Or what's our modern word for it? Encouragement. Let no corrupt word or unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but a word that is necessary for edification, that it may impart grace. Grace, not pain. Not shame. Grace to the hearers. How many times in my 40 years of pastoring has a young girl come up to me with tears in her eyes and her head down and said, I'm pregnant. Unmarried, said, I'm pregnant. Well, now what am I supposed to do? Impart pain to her? Shame her? Man, I can't wait to speak grace to her and tell her, I can see already that you're hurt. Lift up your head. God's going to make a way and we'll help you through this. That's imparting grace to people and bringing hope into people's lives. Now, the Bible gives me two commands from my mouth right there. What's the first command? Let no, does your Bible say corrupt words? Some Bibles say different things. Corrupt or corrupting word. It's the Greek word sepros. We get two English words that we use today out of that Greek word sepros. One is the word sepsis. The, our English word sepsis is, is this word right here. You know what sepsis is? You get sepsis most of the time you get it in the hospital. Sepsis is when you get an infection in you that makes you sick and can kill you. You get in the third stage of sepsis and you only got a 50-50 chance to make it. What did the Bible say right there? Do not let sepsis words come out of you that hurt people and wound people and kill their spirits. Don't let anything come out of your mouth. Now listen, people say, well, it's the truth. It's the truth. I don't care. I know a lot of truths about people that don't need to be told. Oh, I didn't get much out of that, did I? There's a lot of truths about me I hope never get told. I got a better amen out of that. Mercy for me, hell with you. That's what it is. I mean, trouble for you. The Bible said, don't open your mouth if it wounds. But what did it say? Let the words that come out of your mouth do what? Build people up. Speak grace to people and build people up. All right, let me ask you a question. Is that not the number one word of Jesus? Everywhere he went, did he not speak life to people? Did you ever hear said you say, y'all be ashamed of yourself? Y'all, you're terrible. You didn't hear that. When Jesus spoke, he spoke life to people. And he just had, a, how about, there's a guy named Lazarus one day and you can't get no sicker and dead. <laughs> and Jesus stood at his tomb and said, you deserve it. Not surprised. Jesus said, come alive, dude. And he walked out of there. Jesus spoke life to people. He spoke encouragement to them and hope constantly. And we need to be a people who do that. Now, let me teach you something about reading the Bible about our Heavenly Father. He asked us to do a lot of things in the Bible. Y'all didn't know that? Why? 
What is his ultimate goal with me and you? What does the Bible say is his ultimate goal in our lives? Romans 8, 29. Whom he foreknew, he ordained to become like his son. To be conformed to the image of his son. Everything he asked me to do is so I will become like Jesus. Listen to this. If he tells me, don't open your mouth at wounds, only speak life and encouragement to people. Is that telling me to be like Jesus? All right, years ago, I'm reading the Bible one day. I got to Matthew 18. It said this. Simon asked Jesus, said, how many times do I have to forgive people? Seven, which was standard back then. Jesus said, 70 times seven. I said, dang. And then he said, per day. That's 490 a day. And I said, so we into this forgiveness stuff, aren't we? And I said, amen. Because you know, if you follow Jesus, you got to say amen when he tells you to do something. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. And then he spoke in Marty, he said, do you think I'd ask you to do something I don't do? He said, I'll never ask you to do anything I don't do. If my heavenly father tells me, don't speak trash, speak life like me. He is the speaker of life. Now this whole passage follows that, uh, talking about how we get along with each other. I want you to look with me in verse chapter five, verse one. Therefore, and he's telling us to do this, don't let septic words come out. Speak, build people up. Therefore, be imitators of God. Jimmons, if I'm going to imitate God, that don't mean I'm going to wear black clothes and not smoke. It means I'm going to talk like he talks. Friend, to imitate God means to talk like he talks. Yeah, listen, this can happen to you. That's why if you hang around Jesus, you'll start talking like him. You ever been somewhere, you can see folks will go somewhere and they'll come back talking like him people. My wife went to somewhere out of the country a long time ago and I, I said, don't come back talking like him people. You talk normal like I do. I can always tell who people have been hanging around by the way they talk. By this, the sons of God and the sons of the devil are made plain. God speaks life and hope. And he said, don't encourage people. Listen to me, dear ones. People need a word of encouragement. I want you to be one of those people like, do you understand how desperate this is? Listen to what the Bible said. A word spoken at the right time is like a cool drink to a thirsty soul. People are desperately in need of a good word today. Guess why God puts you on the planet? This is your kids, your, your family, your people around, people you work with. Heck, you can do this with strangers. We'll talk about that a little more in a minute. Word number two is the word hope. We are losing hope in this land. Young people are starting to wonder, is it worth it? My God is the God of hope. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in hearing, hearing him speak. Here's how I know you've heard God speak. It's not what you say, it's the attitude you're left with. When I see people that are despairing and said, you know, God's telling me I'm, I'm terrible. I don't know who you listen to, but you ain't listening to the God of this book. When the God of this book speaks, you always, even when he corrects me, I come away saying, it's going to be better. He's the God of hope who fills you with hope by listening to him. We get around people, we need to speak hope into them. You need to tell them, you're going to make it. You're going to do fine. You need to talk this to your kids. You need to speak this into a hopeless generation. You need to be a light. In, a light in, when Jesus said, you're the light of the world, he didn't mean your face shines. That's not what he meant. Open your mouth and talk to them. Speak hope to people. Speak the truth of God to people. The good news. Listen, when Jesus speaks, what he, what's the first thing God ever said after Jesus was born? Behold, I bring you Bad news. No, I bring you good news of great joy. Right. Listen, God speaks, it's good news and it brings great joy. 
So well, he needs to speak to him. What you doing down here? You is them. I'm riding by the truck stop one day over exit 150. And there's this guy standing out there. And I just probably said, Lord, help him. And he spoke to me and he said, I'm not down there. Get it? There's a reason I left you down there. You go over and help him. I shouldn't ask, should I? The words of Jesus are life. Guess who's supposed to be speaking them? Speak life to people. Speak hope to people. Word number three. Oh, again, let me take the woman caught in adultery. I'm on her today. She's my favorite today. The ministers wanted to kill her because she'd made a mistake. Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? I mean, he, he ran them out of the house because he said, you want to talk about sins? Let's talk about your sins. He ran them out of the house. He turned and he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has nobody condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. What did he say to her? You're a forgiven woman. I get up and start over. You need to speak forgiveness to people. You need to speak the forgiveness of God. And you need to speak forgiveness from, from two people, God and you. And one of the strangest verses in the Bible said this, I, I send you out. He sends his people out. He said, if you remit the sins of any, they shall be remitted. If you retain the sins of any, they shall be retained. What is that all about? Are you telling me God gave me the power to forgive sins? No, 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 no. Only he can forgive sins. The Bible says, who can forgive sins except God? So what do you mean if I remit them? I simply amplify to people what he has already done. How many people have I known through the years that made mistakes? Christians that have made mistakes and they ask God to forgive them, but they're still beating themselves up over it. Well, I need to speak to them and say, listen to me, listen to me. You're forgiven. God has shown you mercy. That's what it means to remit their sins. Tell them, God's forgiven them. I want to announce to the world, you are forgiven. If you'll come to the cross, I want to make an announcement. God's not mad. You say, what about the wrath of God? Have you not read that he poured it out on his son at the cross so he could show you mercy? This is the message of forgiveness to the world or to a believer that just... What is it? I know who it is. The enemy of our souls. You make a mistake. Supposed to be a Christian. He'll beat you up with it or you'll beat yourself up. It is time to lift up your head and forget those things that are behind. Get up and go on. That's what it means to speak forgiveness to people. But now let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room, anybody's ever done you wrong? We talked about it all last week. Speak up, doc. Forgive those people. Now listen to me. You go talk to them and tell them you're forgiven. It's not enough to forgive people. You've got to speak to them and tell them you are forgiven. Jesus spoke to people personally. So I, I've forgiven them. I've forgiven them. You lying dog, you have not. If you're still ill, you hadn't forgiven. Hope they stay. But Lord, make sure they stay on their side of heaven. I'll stay on mine. What makes you think you're going with that attitude? Dear ones, listen to this. 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. If I have forgiven you, we're going to go eat lunch now. Girls, it's your day to get hammered. You knew he was a man when you married him. What you fussing about? <laughs> Sweetheart, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I forgive you. <laughs> Knock it off, sister. Kiss the man on the mouth like you mean it. Get, listen, listen to me. Get over it. We was all going to hell. None of us was going to make it. He showed us mercy. Return the favor. 
to the people around you. Matter of fact, we're just going to pause right now. Kiss him right now. Go ahead right now. Just kiss him right now. Right on the mouth. Yeah, I didn't mean for, I didn't mean back up here. I mean, start making love in the auditorium. Back up here a little bit. You need to speak, forget. Listen, when your kids screw up, correct them and then say, and then put them on your lap. Say, listen, sweetheart, daddy loves you. Now we're not going to remember this no more. Let's go. Take them, get ice cream. You need to speak forgiveness in the earth. God's message is a message of forgiveness. And when Jesus spoke, he spoke forgiveness. You ever had anybody come around you and they sort of wondered, was you mad at him or not? Straighten it out by showing them mercy. He has embraced me and accepted me and we're going to do the same for people. Speak forgiveness to people. People make a mistake rather than give them the finger and get ill about it, just smile at them. Don't tell me you don't give the finger. I, I see it all the time. I'm the slowest driver in the county. That's me you're giving the finger to. It happens to me all the time. I just, I, I enjoy my life. I'm going to move at my own speed. People get right up behind me. They're going to give me that look right there and all they'll say that's me and they'll go. You busted. Forget it, doc. Number four. If you study the life of Jesus, there's one word he spoke more than any other word. What is it? Anybody know? Peace. Jesus said peace more than he said any other word. You need to speak peace to people. Every time Jesus walked into a situation, matter of fact, what's the first word he ever spoke when he walked up? Shalom, which is peace. He would walk up to a storm. The guys are scared, spitless in a storm. And he'd say, peace, peace. Don't be afraid. I'm here. We're sending this earth to speak peace to people. Speak peace in the situation. Let me tell you something. The nature of Satan is the nature of strife and tear up. Strife is the nature of Satan. Peace is the nature of God. And you need to walk into situations. When you walk up, you need to speak peace. Or you need to bring... We should just be a people when we go, peace comes around us. It, don't be a Roman candle looking for some place to go off. That is not Jesus. Jesus calms the storm. He speaks peace. People are scared today. Did you know that? Let me tell you something, girls, about that man you married to acting like Mr. Tough. He's wondering, is he going to be able to pay y'all's way? People are nervous today. People are anxious today. The voice of God is the voice of peace. And you need to be one of them people that just, and don't, you don't have to just say the word peace. You can speak peace just by the tone. By the way you walk up, people just talk to you. You can settle things down. Listen, a soft answer turns away wrath. Harsh words stir up anger. We need to knock the harsh words off. So I'm right. You better get over this right stuff. God's right. We're needy. Peace. We need to speak peace to people. All right, let me teach you something. You can read the words of Jesus in the Bible, but you can't hear the voice of God without the Holy Spirit. This is why we need the Holy Spirit so much. It's Tone is very important. Would you agree with me? It's not just what you say. It's the way you say it. Can I get a witness? All right. A woman comes up to her husband. They've been married for years. She says to him, you don't ever tell me you love me anymore. He says, I love you. I love you. Happy. You happy. I love you. Happy. He said it. Amen. Oh, me. All right woman comes up to her husband. She says, you, you don't ever tell me you love me anymore. And he said, oh, sweetheart, I'm sorry. I wasn't, I'm sorry. I really do love you. Did them two guys just say the same thing? What's the difference? Tone, tone. Listen to me. You need more than a Bible. You need the spirit of God in the Bible. The Bible will tell you the words of Jesus 
the Holy Spirit will help you, help you hear what he sounds like when he says them. You know why I thought God hated me for years? I thought God hated me because I heard preachers preach the Bible without the Holy Spirit. I thought God was mad at me. I thought he was disgusted with me because I was hearing the words out of the Bible, but I wasn't hearing the voice of God through that preacher. You need to hear the voice of God. That's why you need to say to him, don't, not just, I'm going to read the Bible, speak to me. And if you hear his voice, you go hear the voice of peace. Listen to this. I will hear what the Lord will speak to me for he will speak peace to me. Man, when he speaks, calm comes. He stills the troubled waters. What do you think that thing was in Mark 4 about that storm when they're going to die? And all of a sudden Jesus stood at me and said, peace. That storm stopped and that lake became like glass. You, surely you don't think that's for like hurricane season. That's the troubled heart. And when God speaks to the heart, all of a sudden everything gets quiet on the inside. And we need to be the same way. When our kids are upset, we need to speak peace to them. When our mate's upset, we need to speak to them and say, sweetheart, it's going to be all right. You need to speak peace to people. Peace is the fourth word. Number five, the words of Jesus. Number five is the word healing. Listen to what, listen to what the Bible said. My son, my son, I just love it when he calls me that, my son. My son, attend unto my word. Listen to my word. Pay attention to my word. They are life to those who find them and healing, healing to every part of their being. When Jesus spoke, he healed hearts. What's this is what he said the first day? He, you know, he, he was 30 years old before he started his job as God. And at 30 years old, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news and to heal the broken hearts. How does he heal broken hearts? By speaking to them. He talks to people. And you can bring healing by speaking to people. We need healing in this land today. Now, let me, let me, let me let's see if you agree with me. People are under a load today. Our people are burdened today with culture, financial problems. Our, our relationships are going crazy. It's just hard today. Okay. I'm here to heal that. I'm here to lift the load. One of my favorite verses. It's a wonderful verse. Psalm 81.6 says this. He has removed my shoulder from the burden and he's lifted the baskets out of my... You know what that means? God's taken the load off my life. He's lifted the load. He don't put loads on people. He lifts loads. Matter of fact, Jesus ripped the preachers. In Matthew 23, he said, you bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders. Why do you make it so hard on people? Jesus said, come to me, Matthew 11. Come to me and learn from me. Take my hand. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He lifts the load. Now, <clears throat> let me tell you how, you how you bring healing to people. I know a lot of people would disagree with this. Take it up with the one who read it. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17. This just happens to be one of my favorites. And it's one I love to practice. It ills religious people off, but till God rewrites his word, I'm sticking with the king and I'm sticking it to religious people. All right, Proverbs 17. Now, I met a man a while back and he was fascinating to me. He was a medical doctor. And as a young man, he became fascinated in psychosomatic illnesses. You know, psychosomatic means you don't have a germ. There ain't nothing wrong with you, but something in your head's making your body sick. That's psychosomatic illness. And he was fascinated by the people that they couldn't find a medical reason for their sickness, but they were messed up in their thinking or they were emotionally wounded. So he spent his life studying that. He, uh, he went to Vanderbilt. He was a research doctor at Vanderbilt, and, uh, almost 90 years old now. And I've met him and we got to talking about this stuff back and forth. And he'd tell me things that medical science had found and I'd show it to him in the Bible. And I said, well, right, that's been in the Bible for years. Science is catching up with God on this stuff. And listen to me, the Bible teaches that 
People are sick today a lot of times because of the words they hear and the thinking that they have. You, you cannot separate the body, the soul, and the spirit, the heart. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, May the God of peace help you. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be perfected and whole till the day of Jesus. You, you screw with one, you're going to screw with the other. You can't separate those three. All right, people need healing today. Let me tell you where they need it. Read with me Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22 says this, A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Listen, a wounded heart, see the word bones. Anytime you see bones in the Bible, it means your body. A wounded heart dries the body. We're finding out with people that have had deep heart wounds, bad things that have happened to them, it destroys them physically. They get sick physically from it. And we're seeing this happen. Of course, doctors are starting to see this now. But what's the first part say? A merry heart is what? What does God call laughter and, and lightheartedness? What does he call it? Tell me what medicine does for you. It makes you better. It heals you. Now, I know that religious folks for years have got this thing about a home, a home, a home. Knock it off. Let me tell you about the God of this Bible. He has made me glad. Serve the Lord with gladness. Do you know we need some joy back in this land again and we need some gladness in this land? People are on such a burden because of the hatefulness of the land. There's nothing I love to do more than bring healing to this land by speaking to people. You know, my favorite people in the world is waitresses. And I love waitresses. And it hacks me off when people are ugly to waitresses. I better not catch you doing that. And uh, I'll be in a restaurant or something. They'll be being hateful to a little 16-year-old girl trying to make some money going to high school. They'll be hateful to her. And I love to just walk over to her and just lift the load off her. I was in the, well, I'm not going to say where I was at, but it was Outback Steakhouse right over off Interstate <laughs> not long ago. <laughs> And we was in there and the poor little old girl was doing the best she could. You know, they don't hire but one waitress for 98 tables in there. And they, she was doing the best she could. And there was these two folks sitting right here. God put them right there beside me for a reason. And both of them didn't, they should have ordered broccoli. And they, things were going a little slow, slow down in life and relax a little bit. But I could tell they'd been to church, had their uniforms on he had his coat and tie on. They'd been to church right after Sunday. She had her uniform on. My goodness, the only thing I could find to be thankful for was that I wasn't married to her. That's the only thing I could celebrate. And so they start crabbing and fussing and whining. And I'm, lo I'm losing my patience with them a little bit. If they weren't Christians, I wouldn't expect them to act right. But because they want to mind. But listen, I don't just preach at 11 o'clock. I'm instant preach anytime. You add water, we're ready to go. And I'm fixing to take over and preach here. And she's being ugly, that little old girl, and it hurt her feelings. And I'm, I saw I walked my way. I was going to the bathroom, walked back. I took a little girl, I said. And, the, and then she got mad. She, got, she tried to get up, couldn't get out of the chair. I thought, I ain't surprised. Help the woman. And you know what she said? Made me sit here so long, I can't even get up now. That was all I could take right there. I had to let it be known. Number one, she ain't never took a bite for you. Number two, how long you sat there ain't the reason you can't get out of that chair, sunshine. That's just what, so listen to me, that's just what some poor 16-year-old wondering if there's a God needs is some, mm. help me Jesus, is some crabby Christian saying, this is what God is like, look how I fuss. So I went back there and I started, I started talking to that girl. Within about a minute and a half, I had her laughing so hard she almost dropped the tray. 
by the time I got done explaining that woman right there to her, I explained to her really exactly what was going on. They said, what's this got to do with God? A merry heart healed that girl's heart. A merry heart. Listen, it's medicine. We need to bring, we need to lighten the load in this land. If there's two things I've learned watching believers for 40 years now, number one, most people take themselves way too seriously. Number two, they don't take the promises of this book serious enough. Quit taking yourself seriously. Start taking his promises very serious. And we need to bring a, we need to bring a people who just bring healing to people. T- turn the page. Look at Proverbs 15, 15 with me. Now you might say, well, brother, nobody can be happy in these days. I'm glad you came today. You need help from Rhonda or Jesus or me or somebody. Do you, do you know people have actually chewed me out because I'm not reverent enough? And guess what that causes me to do? That just makes it worse, Doc, so save the emails. Some preachers were born to comfort the afflicted. I was born to afflict the comfortable. I'm gonna stick it to you every chance I get. People need a good word today. My buddy uh, that I was talking about, the doctor, they ran an experiment with cancer patients. People had cancer. The worst part about having cancer is that you think about it. And people dwell on it. And these guys who study psychosomatic medicine, they began to show these cancer patients movies, old reruns of Laurel and Hardy, the three steps, back when funny was funny, not this crap today, back when funny was funny. You watch Laurel and Hardy, you'll pee in your britches. I mean, you'll fall out, you'll be chunking. And they'd show them these movies, they began to find, if we show them these old humor movies, the brain begins to release endorphins in the body that fight the cancer. And if you meditate on cancer, something happens inside of you that makes it worse. What did the Bible say? A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. We have got to bring some, listen, let me make an announcement. God is on his throne, dear ones. I don't care who's in Washington. I don't care who sits on, I don't care who's anywhere. He will have the final word. I don't want you to get to heaven and say, crap. I could have been enjoying myself. I need more than one amen. That's one of the best things you ever heard right there. I could have enjoyed the ride, Doc. Healing. Proverbs 15, 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil. He who is of a merry heart has a what? Continual feast. Don't tell me you can't celebrate in this day. Quit looking around you and look up. Demons, if the outlook is not good, try to uplook. Get your eyes on Jesus and celebrate his goodness. He is smiling at you. Everybody else is cussing you, but Jesus is smiling at you. Let him fly. And then last of all, and this is the big one, we need to learn to bless people. The blessing. We've got to use our words to bless people. You ever heard this term? God bless you. Well, how did that get relegated to sneezing? What has sneezing got to do with it? I'm I, pry, I pretend to sneeze just to hear it. <laughs> We've got a guy who goes to church. His name's Brian Hine, one of the greatest Christians I ever met. He glows in the dark. And he'll see me and he'll hug me and he'll always, and then he'll always look. He looks at me right now and I don't even sneeze. He'll look at me right and he'll say, God bless you, Pastor. Something happens when we say that to people. We need to do that. Look with me in Numbers chapter 6 at the blessing. How to speak the blessing on people. You want to change? Listen, quit fussing about people change their lives by blessing them. 
Dear ones, anybody can say, here's the problem. Jesus came to fix the problem. And we as his people need to be fixers, not finders. He didn't call you to be, he didn't call you to be the judge of the world, that position's filled. He called you to be the light of the world. All right, Numbers chapter six, you're gonna see something wild here. Number six, Numbers chapter six, verse 22, all right? And the Lord spoke, he still does, to Moses and to me, saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, those are the priests, saying, watch these words, this is the way you will bless the children of Israel. Listen to me, listen to me, dear ones. This is the way you bless your children. This is the way you bless your mate. This is the way you bless the people you work with. This is the way you bless strangers. And he said, here's how you bless people. This is the way you bless people. Speak to the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you. God bless you. Keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. He said, listen, this is the way you bless your children. This is the way you bless people. Now watch verse 27. So they shall put, the, put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Are you telling me God blesses people because I speak something to them? Read it. God will bless your children if you'll speak blessing on them. How does God create things? He spoke. He said, let there be light. Guess what happened? He said, let there be firmament. Guess what? God creates by words. Satan destroys with words. He said to you, talk to your children like this. Talk to your mate. Talk to people like this and I will bless them. And many churches close their service with this blessing and they say over the people, the Lord bless you, which will be good to you and keep you, which is protect you. Make his face shine on you, which is he's smiling at you. And be gracious to you. That means give you stuff. Lift up his countenance on you means look on you with favor and say, I like them. I like them. I'm going to do something for them and give you peace, which is what we need. Say that over the people and it'll happen. Now, let me ask you something. Who has mastered family? What nation on this planet has mastered family like no other nation? By far and away, Israel. That's you're the top in chemistry, medicine. They're the top achievers in the world. Their kids are. Uh, why, are, why are Israeli children, why are Jews the greatest entrepreneurs in the world? You ever heard of names like Elon Musk, people like that? They shape the world more than any other because they've learned this thing. And the Jewish fathers know how to raise their children, blessing them and speaking blessing over them. All right, when a Jewish boy turns 13, you have a ceremony called a bar mitzvah. Perhaps you've heard that before. And what happens is early in the day, the father will draw 10 or 12 of his friends, men, and they'll come and they'll sit down with his son, a 13-year-old boy, 10 or 12 men. It's called a bar mitzvah. And they'll put that boy in a circle and those men will examine him to see whether his father has blessed him or not and see if his father's taught him. And they'll ask him questions about money. They'll ask him questions about how to treat women. They'll ask him questions about how to treat people, how to worship God, how to handle his own personal affairs. And they examine him. Listen, in America at 13, we expect kids to go crazy. In Israel, when a boy turns 13, you a man, doc. And you act like a man from now on. You know what girls ask me all the time, young girls, where are the men? I said, well, John Wayne's dead and I'm here and that's about it. <laughs> I'm too old. At 13, you're a man in that culture. Their kids achieve at 15 and 16 what we hope ours will at 35 because they've learned the art of blessing. 
All right, these men examine this boy, they get and then they have a huge feast with hundreds of people. That's called the bar mitzvah. It always begins, and the first thing will happen, same thing all the time. The father will pick that boy up, put him on his shoulder right here before all of his male friends and all of his families, and he'll say to them, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It always starts like that. And they talk to their kids like that, boys and girls. That's why they've excelled at family. That's why they have done so much in the world. What did the Bible say right there? Talk to your children and bless your children. You may not say those exact words. You can bless your children. Your kids need to constantly hear, I know it's tough, but I'm not getting you out of it because you can do it. I'm not, I'm not pulling you out of this. I want you to get through it and I'm going to cheer for you. Girls, tell your husband, I appreciate what you're doing for us and you're going to take care of us. Tell your wives, you are gorgeous, honey. I couldn't concentrate at work all day today for thinking about you. I'm having daydreams about night things in the middle of the afternoon, as the old country song says. <laughs> Talk to them. Open your mouth and bless people. Look, let's look people right now and say, God's going to make a way for you. God bless you. You know what this is? Let no corrupting word come out of your mouth. Shut up. Speak life to people. You build homes with, with words. All right, let me tell you something. In our, we've been so blessed in our home because I saw this before when my kids were little. And we practice this in our house. And when you get around our table, they know yin yang. Y'all know what yin yang is? It ain't cussing. We don't cuss. We don't cuss. We don't junk talk at our house. We don't talk politics at our table. Papa don't allow that stuff. Nobody gets criticized at my table. We encourage and we laugh and we celebrate one another at that table. Uh, it's a riot. You've got to have a bookmark to get a word in around that table when we're all there now. Years ago, my wife had a friend named Larry Conte. Larry's one of our great principals here in our county. He's the guy they make movies about. He's the greatest principal I ever met. He just knows how to help people and speak to people and teach people how to talk. So Larry's going to come over for dinner one night years ago. Our kids were younger because he and Katie taught across the hall from each other, I think. So Larry comes in, one of the neatest guys, the most encouraging guys. We're sitting there at dinner. We're just getting started good. And we're chit-chatting. And Larry just says, uh, Caleb, looked at him and said, Caleb, tell me what you like the most about your mom. And he said, oh, uh, and then he went on to talk about what he liked about his mom. He said, that's good. That's good. He said, Whitney, tell me what you like the most about your sister. And he just ran the table. My house, he ran the table that night. And he just had people talk about the good things and other people all night like that. He has built, he has taken one of the roughest schools in our county and turned it into a masterpiece by teaching people how to talk like that. Let's quit letting this culture tell us how to talk. Let's let our savior teach us how to talk and to bless people, bless people and speak to them. This is, by the way, I told them fathers, they do that thing. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you remember when Jesus was going along and the ministers criticized him. I hate to use this language in church, but it's right out of the Bible. When they said to him, we were not born of fornication. You're a Samaritan. You know what that meant? Your mama got knocked up by somebody that's not even of your race. You're illegitimate. Man, preachers are hateful sometimes. Did God straighten that thing out? Do you remember when he got baptized, Mark 1:11? He came up out of the water and a voice thundered from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I want every one of you to hear in your heart the voice of God say, this is my beloved daughter. I'm well pleased. By the way, Jesus hadn't done one thing in ministry when God was already well pleased with him. 
I got a little thing out in my shop. It's a, I think, it's a sculpture about that big. I think it is the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse. I think. It was supposed to be that. One of my daughters made it when she was in the second grade. Got the little platform there and it's built sort of up. It's either Cape Hatteras or it's a leaning tower piece. I'm not sure which one it is because it's got sort of a stripe around it. I'm going with Cape Hatteras. And she gave that thing to me. She made it out of clay and then she painted it, gave it to me. I keep it in my shop, set it right there on a perch and I stare at it once in a while. You say, it wouldn't win no art contest. That ain't the point. I don't want fancy art in there. I want my kid's stuff in there. And I keep it in there because I like it. I promise you, it wouldn't, even, it wouldn't win ninth place in the local contest. In other words, the art's not that good, but it was the work of her hands. I'm praying one day and I said to him, I hope my life's work is pleasing to you. And he pointed me back. He said, I'm not pleased because something's perfect. I'm pleased because you put out your best effort and gave it to me. Then was quit comparing yourself with other people. He created you to be you. And I need for you to hear him say, this is my beloved son or daughter and I'm pleased. I'm well pleased with who you are. Let me quit by saying this. There's some stupid things said about words and we need to quit listening to them. Let me bust three myths real quick about words. Number one, we are never reactionary. We don't talk because of the way people talk to us. We talk different. Did you realize Jesus never reacted to people's words? At his trial, when people were lying about him and saying things, the governor said, do you not hear what these people are saying about you? You're not going to say anything? And the Bible said, Jesus opened not his mouth. He learned, I don't respond to people. I speak when God tells me to. We got to quit. Most of our speaking is reacting to what somebody said. Stop it. We speak truth in love. You take over. Don't let them tell you how to talk like that. Number two, you heard this before. Got to be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. No, you don't. Why do you have to be careful what you say? <clears throat> don't worry about being careful what you say. Get your heart right and open your mouth and let it fly, tater chip. Let me tell you something. I've heard people say, people actually, people say dumb things to me. People said to me, you don't know my heart. Oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. You know, I know your heart. Let me listen to you talk for a little bit. Jesus said, your mouth, your words are the mirror of your heart. Luke 5, 46 says this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You just let me listen to you talk. I'll tell you what's in your heart. Let me tell you, to keep from having to be careful what you say anymore, let Jesus come into your heart. Let the love of God baptize your heart. Then you don't have to worry about what you say anymore. You just open your mouth. Listen, let the love and life of Jesus and the hope, hang around with God and you'll talk like him. Quit trying not to talk like the devil. Quit running with him. That didn't go so good either. Let me try one more. Let me try one more here. All right, listen to me carefully. I want you to get this. One of Satan's twists is, well, I don't say nothing bad. I try not to say nothing bad. Look right here. That is not the point. Jesus didn't come to this earth not to say nothing bad. Jesus came to this earth to speak life. It, quit worrying about not saying nothing bad. If you say something bad, get forgiveness. Ask him to forgive. Remember the forgiveness thing. We speak life. Um, Jesus didn't say, I've come to this earth not to make mistakes. Jesus said, I've come to this earth to speak life and the words that I speak are spirit and life. I'm, I'm wanting to get me a guard chicken to guard the house. Not a real one. I got them. 
I'm talking about when them, y'all seen them big metal chickens about seven foot tall with the bright colors. I'm gonna get me one. I'm gonna put it right beside the house and I'm gonna chain it down a little bit there, but I'm gonna get me a guard chicken. You know why I don't give me one of them metal guard chickens? I'm scared he might say something wrong. He ain't gonna say nothing. There was the issue is we are so caught up on not saying the wrong things. That is never the issue. Listen, open your mouth and speak. God puts you in the earth to speak life. Listen to Acts 5.20. Go to the people and speak words of life. One of the best ways to keep air out of a glass, keep it full of water. Talk life to people and you don't have to worry about saying dumb things. Can I get a witness? Let me bust another myth. I hear it over and over. Been hearing it for 30 years now. You'll hear one of these little smart aleck preachers or somebody will say, well, St. Francis of Assisi, who was a great Christian a million years ago, great speaker. You're a St. Francis, he said, preach all the time and when necessary, use words. And they think that sounds so cute. That is stupid beyond measure. That's just stupid. Number one, St. Francis didn't say it. It's been well documented. He wouldn't say nothing like that. Number two, you can't preach without words. You've got to use words. Acts chapter 10 said this, go find Simon. He's at Cornelius' house. He will tell you words by which you must be saved. Romans chapter 10 says, how can they know Jesus unless they hear? And how can they hear if somebody doesn't speak? Quit worrying about saying the wrong things. Say the right things. Listen to me. Fill this earth with good news. Fill this earth with hope. So open your mouth and bless people. Speak to the people. All right. I'm going to teach you a prayer. We'll learn this prayer. God, help me to do nothing wrong. Help me to do nothing wrong. Quit praying that. You, a new creature in Christ Jesus, you've got a new heart. You're going to bear good fruit. Knock it off. Start believing what the man says. Here's the number one prayer you ought to pray every day, just going about your daily life. Restaurants, when you come in, before you go in the house at night, I pray this before I go in the house. Pray it all the time. Dear Jesus, what should I say? What can I say? What can I say? What can I say? One of the great admonitions of God is in John chapter four, where Jesus said to his boys, they were, eating, they were in a restaurant eating lunch and they were talking about the chicken. And Jesus said to them, lift up your eyes unto the fields that are white into harvest. You know what he said? Could you get your mind off your chicken for about two minutes and look at that woman over there? It was lift up your eyes at people. Look at people. Ask, are they nervous? Are they discouraged? Are they hurting? What can I say? What can I say to these people? Now listen to me. Not all of us, some of us are more gifted at speaking than others. That's okay, he made us that way. Some of us talk a lot more than others. Can I get a witness? Amen. Keep on amen. The Bible said this, men will give an account at the judgment for every idle word they speak. My wife will get through in 30 seconds. I'll be there three years later trying to get through the line. You got all, when I go home, I'm always thinking, what can I say to her? What can I say to her to encourage her? What can I say to these folks? Start praying, what can I say? And speak words of life. Listen, Jesus changed this world by speaking life to it. You do the same. Don't just sit there and burp. So why ain't said nothing wrong? That chicken ain't gonna say nothing wrong. I need you to speak life to people. All right, amen. Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you and thank you for your goodness and your mercy in our lives. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. 
I'm a child of God today because I heard words that God so loves the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. I want to thank you and praise you that I'm, I'm your child because I heard those words and, and they did something for me. I have encouragement and hope every day because I hear your words every morning. Father, this world has been flooded with words from the evil one that discourage and bring hopelessness and fear and anger. Fill this earth, fill my world with words of life from me and these people. I trust you for that. I give you all the praise and glory for your goodness. Lord Jesus, I told you I'd trade all the verses in the Bible for Ephesians 4.29 in my church. People, people went without eating for days just to be near you and listen to you. We want to be Jesus in the earth where people just say, talk to me. I need to hear what you got to say. I pray for these folks out here today. I pray for them and their children, their families, their mates, their friendships. Speak life. I trust you for that. I give you all the praise and glory for your goodness. Strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.